Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> really good. <laughs> it's gonna be better this time. Oh yeah. It's not good the first time. Get it for leftovers. Strange new show. It's the season finale. There are lyrics this time. Strange new show, but just for the season finale. Thanks, Jason Mo. I watched two episodes yesterday. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Strange New Show. <laughs> Keith and Mike watch Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I feel like I already need to apologize for our content today, uh, but I am so excited to talk about the season finale of season one of Strange New Worlds. Uh, hold on to your butts. Mike, I believe you have a, a leftover joke for us. Hey, now I'm not even going to do it, Keith, because I did the lyric thing. Listen, can I tell you how I spent my day yesterday, Keith? Mm. It's probably why I'm a little bit, a little sleepy this morning. Mm -hmm. But we're going to get our S together for y'all, because the season finale, a friend of the show, patron of the show, Jason Moe, said, hey, guys, you know, one of the top five episodes of... Couple people did, by the of, way. Of the, yes, of the Star Trek original series called Balance of Terror. It's season one, episode 14, for those keeping track. Mike, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. could you track yourself down one of the Blu-rays of the original series and, and, and watch it? Because it, it will inform this episode. So I did that, Keith, and then like a maniac, I made my coffee. I just watched them back to back. Wow, I have thoughts. But I also recorded it, Keith, and posted it on our Patreon, patreon.com slash KNDM. You can have a full two-hour marathon with Mike. I mean, that's something. I mean, I mean, most usually it's about two and a half minutes, but you get two full hours. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know if I'll be engaged or, or conscious the whole time, but at least it's recorded. No, I mean, come on. Like, I, I posted on the YouTube our text conversation of your reaction to the original series episode, mm -hmm. and I can't wait to find out how you think, what yeah, you think about overall, this Overall, let me just say, one, I totally understand the Shatner craze now. Dude is hot. And before he became a parody of himself, he was like, awesome. So awesome. Really awesome. In fact, I'm not sure all the episodes were that good, but everything about it, I absolutely loved. The yeah, costumes, I mean, the 60s mm -hmm. of it, the, the, the horny newlyweds horning just for like scenes. Which uh, is weird because it is the least horny episode of, of the original oh series. Oh my goodness, it's so much horn. Everybody's young and attractive. The 60s look good on people, I have to say. Just like mm -hmm. in general, the 60s looked good on everybody. Uh, Mike was uh, enjoying... This sounds pornier than I meant it to. I mean, I really liked the show, too. It looked good. I mean... Mike, Mike, you need to you need to uh, to wake up, get a sandwich, and a cold shower. And Keith, did you know in two thousand and six, the original series, season one, episode fourteen, Balance of Terror, was the first Star Trek original series episode to be digitally remastered with new special effects. Did you know that? I did not know that. Well, now Mike has trivial triviaed you. Wow! Wow! There it is. Well, we have a heck of a lot to talk about. Uh, and so I think we're definitely going to be talking a lot about the original series episode as we talk about A Quality of Mercy. But before we do that, of course, we need to talk about last week's mm -hmm. episode mm -hmm. uh, and give the viewer ratings for all those who wander. Uh, and uh, you know what? People liked it. 
JD gave it an 88, Jason Moe gave it an 88, and Worf's Bootshivs gave it an 89 for an average of 88.3. Three uh, people enjoyed it, even though it was an Aliens ripoff, and you know what? So did I. So uh, there you, you go. That guy. Do I win? Oh, you uh, most definitely win. Hold on, let me... We officially, yeah, you gave it a 91, I gave it an 81. So, yeah, yeah. So, you are the victor on all those who wander. And to the victor go the, I uh, guess, leftovers, since it was recycled in the first place. So, spoils, yeah. so literally the spoils. But you get the spoiled. All right, but uh, it's time to spoil ourselves with some information about A Quality of Mercy, which aired on July 7th. 2022 exactly a year ago because today we are recording this on july 7th 2023 the top song he's already got his button hit for his goofy voice it is returning to number one as it was by harry styles i turned down my thing now no it's not the same as it was but it is we went back to this one as number one, so literally it it is the same as it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly right. It, it, does it go down? You know, it's not the same as it was. Didn't it stay on that note? You always you go know, down from there. You know, it's not the same as it was. As it was. Second time, I think it goes. Second time, okay, too. all right. So curious. Musical nerds. I, I mean, that you're trying to figure out any <laughs> semblance of pitch once I hit the modulator is funny. I know. <laughs> That's true. That's got to be quite the, like, because it, it's not just pitching you up like octaves. It, it, it's. I think it's randomized in some way. So it's, I'm if, if I was to take it off, it's, I'm not really even that must making be really an attempt. really hard. No, I'm Yeah, not, I'm okay, not. well. Hard would, hard would imply any sort of effort. <laughs> Yes, on well, my it, part, and it's you're hey, not we're much all of about effort, effort yeah. and, and incompetence, the, yeah. the two dovetailing constantly. <laughs> all right, our top movie. What's most Thor people would hack one email address, right? That's how it worked. Not somebody not hacked two. both two of our email addresses, sent out like fifteen emails <laughs> each. That's it. Two then, addresses that weren't real because they all kicked back, which is the funny part. I don't, I don't understand what's happening with that, but uh, yeah, so it's unsettling. If they, if the attempt was to just unsettle me mission accomplished i know like because it and the fact that it was two and it was two of our like you know this show accounts very strange all right anyway uh and not our personal not like our 15 others and our us, at least become a patron first you know or, well i mean i think we might be patroning them the yeah <laughs> that's a good point yeah well all right so our top movie was thor love and thunder i liked thor love and thunder a lot of people had some feelings about it i thought it like really went into its Needle drop 80s of it all, which, you know what? Take it back. Not a great movie. It was a fun two hours. It, it was fun. Like, you know, the the tone, you either like that tone or you don't. Mm -hmm. um, and it's sort of like, what was the one before that? The the Hulk one with, mm -hmm. or the fighting, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever that was. Everyone liked that tone and then they went like extra into it, into the silliness of it all. Hey, speaking of Guardians 3 dropped on the VOD today. Mikey's going to watch it tonight. They're saying it's the best Marvel of the summer, so I'm going to watch it. Okay. Yeah, well, there you go. The uh, weekly world news headline from 20 years previous. Uh -oh, I hold like on. this stall, one. Stall, 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 because Mike forgot well, well, here, to I'm gonna say, do the thing. I have a feeling I can tell Mike's future. Oh? Someday. 
some someday, hopefully, hopefully many years in the future. I keep mom's ashes in the vacuum cleaner. Oh, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably true. By a Bible prophecies, satanic terror. The government doesn't want you to see. No, no. Some it, government wants you to see some satanic terror, mm. but not this satanic. Photo of Yasser Arafat's love nest. You won't believe what's inside. <laughs> I. Burglar wow. poses as store mannequin to hide from cops. It's funny, Keith. Can I tell you something funny? Yeah. A quick, uh, just a tangential aside, if you will. Um, uh, isn't that everything that our yeah, show is? Yeah. So my vacuum cleaner. I, you know, the, the, one of my cats either is pooping outside of the litter box or I think more likely is just like got some dingles happening in the back mm-hmm. and they drop Scraping off. Scraping the dingles, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I like to, every couple of days, we like to vacuum the litter up from the kitchen, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, a, sure. a rogue poo shot up the vacuum. No, mm. I'm no foul, right? But because the vacuum is hot, it sort of melted the poo on its way up. Oh, no. And now whenever we fire the vacuum up, there is the... The tingiest, just notes mm. of butthole. Just uh, just like an eau de butthole. <laughs> yeah, just like Great. so. It's like the house is nice and clean and vacuumed now, but a little butt. Mm, just, just that, just that stale butthole, just mm. lurking in the air. Yeah. No wonder you guys have so many candles. Mm-hmm. So we can, we we got to focus. We got to. This is a phenomenal episode. All right. So this was directed by Chris Fisher who uh, directed this and the premiere of season two, which I'm excited about coming up next week. I can't believe it already. We don't have to wait. We don't even have to wait. There's no waiting. It was written by Henry Alonzo Myers and Akiva Goldsmith, who are both showrunners on the show. So the big dogs came in here Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to finish off Mm -hmm. season one. You know who else are the big dogs in my heart and mind and our life? And that is our patrons, Mike do us, do us a favor. Tell us what they're getting and tell us who they are. Keith, well, you know, I mentioned it earlier. They got to watch me watch all kinds of crap this week. And every week, everything we do is also posted on random podcast feeds, Keith. But if you want them all consolidated into one spot, there's a Patreon RSS that uh, was suggested by one of our patrons. And now it it exists. Hey, you know the Manifested. show you're watching now? They suggested that, too. So they, have, they wield uh, unlimited power. And you can join Truly. that team. There's all kinds of other good stuff, too. I won't belabor the point right now, but we really could appreciate you and appreciate the help you could provide by producing the show. Patreon.com slash K&M. And Keith, those friends of the show are in no particular order, or specifically the one listed here. Yeah, the, the order of how much money they give us. <laughs> go for it. You, you Go ahead. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Uh, Nailing we just, it. We just ping pong. Well, I, <laughs> I told you to do it. And you're like, nope. It's Bright Kimball Beersock, Casey Clark, Jason Moe, Andrew Hayes, Jorge Navoa, and the Mysterious Wharfs, Big Old Boot Shivs, Charles Babbage, Richard Coleman, CRM Productions, Nikolai Ivanovich Lobachevsky, Delusions at Noon, Steve Brown, and welcome, YouTube viewer, to the family. You have hopped in, hopped on board, and we are grateful to have you here. Uh, JD Makes, Colin Dagan, Chris Mitchell at CRM, Pat and Joshua Cronin, YouTube viewer, I hope you get the Easter egg I put in there for you. Hopefully it uh, is supporting what you're after. You can join the team at patreon.com slash Yes, indeed. Which means it's time for everybody's trivial segment. The bumpers are going now wrong. Don't waste your time with trivial trivia. 
Keith, you know, it's just a challenge. It's a challenge that is being put in our way, and we, like any good Starfleet crew, are going to have to overcome the challenges and 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 podcast a good episode about a good episode. Yeah, yeah. Despite being a terrible episode of us. Yeah, it's We're piggybacking fine. on a previous bad episode of us. Uh-huh, uh-huh. To give a good episode. It's, it's really, we're doing it's a meta. remix. Yeah, it's a meta. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We went back in time and we're like, you can't release this episode. No. The world will literally end. Biggest difference is, is we're going to find out, Keith, that the, the one of us that's supposed to live is is Jen. Oh, 100%. <laughs> of all of the three of us, which one is going to make the world a better place and which one just fills it with endless nonsense? Oh, yeah. Which one talked about vacuum cleaner poop? minutes ago (laughs) on a star trek show (laughs) yeah so yeah (laughs) all right so uh trivial trivia when the romulan is revealed and we look at spock's face we of course hear a bit of fred steiner's original score from that episode fantastic score we get our first sort of like romulan theme each of the species have themes like the klingon has a theme and the romulans have a theme and it's really really cool um, the sort of musical light motifs that mm-hmm. Star Trek does. Uh, it's important. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's you know, what John Williams does with all of his work. Every character has a theme. And sometimes they're emotional musical themes. I'd go on forever, but I'm not going to. So, uh, timelines update. Based on various math from this episode, the unaired pilot, The Cage, the, uh, the episode that features Pike as the captain, takes place six years before Strange New Worlds begins. So that we, so, um, yeah, because it's interesting, because Pike has been on the Enterprise for a while at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least six years, possibly more than that. Um, It's fascinating that they, this is part of canon, that all of this is canon in the original series line. Uh, Interestingly and annoyingly, Paul Schneider, who wrote Balance of Terror, the original series episode is not credited anywhere in this episode, despite several moments where they lift literal sections of dialogue and of, from the screenplay. I'm sure that's some sort of a financial decision or whatever. And mm. uh, but yeah, I feel like he should be at least credited somewhere in this episode. Do they reference the episode anywhere? Like, is it in the? They reference the. Is is the director credited or who directed that original Balance of Terror episode? Uh, okay, hold on, hold on. Let me go look it up. Uh, this one they're wearing on their sleeve, right? I mean, this one is clearly a go-bot oh. of the. It has, you know, it oh, has no to... question. No, it's specifically and intentionally. Um, let me uh, hold on. You know, you should always do your own looking up since I'm the one who talks the most. I was, I would have, but you were really. No, you told me to. Excited man. You about told... it. I'm following your orders. It was directed by uh, Vincent. McAvity. Oh, okay. Vincent McAvity. So I don't see his name don't anymore either. No, no, I don't either. Uh, there's also another interesting uh, uncredited person in this episode, but that I think was intentional. So, uh, wait, it's on IMDb. Interesting, but not on uh, whatever. Uh, so, in the main timeline, Kirk's first assignment was on the USS Farragut, but he never commanded it. So, uh, so in our alternate timeline, that's what's happening. Okay, so yeah. Paul Paul Wesley in this episode becomes the sixth actor to play James T. Kirk. Uh, can you guess who the other five are? 
No. You're going to get two of them. Yeah, well, Kirk and... Uh... Or, you of course, know, Shatner. Shatner and Chris Pine, uh-huh. but also uh, Joy Deaver and Jimmy Bennett as the child and baby version of him in Star Trek, and Sandra Smith during a body swap episode on the original series. Cool. Uh, yeah, huh? Our guest stars this week, although on Memory Alpha, I guess he's a special guest star. Uh, don't mention, uh, you know, Paul Wesley as Captain James T. Kirk. I guess that's uh, the, that's the shadow drop, right? Yeah, although I might just not have taken the screenshot right. So, you know, I could t- totally be wrong. But we also have Melanie Scra- uh, Scrafano as Captain Battelle, Dan Jeanette back as George Samuel Kirk. And you have Matthew Borassa as the Romulan sub-commander, Andre De Kim as Kyle, Rong Fu as Jenna Mitchell, Ali Hassan as Commander Hanson Al-Sala, uh, Matthew McFadzian as the Romulan commander. And uh, we have Ian Rayburn as the groom. Chris Rivers as Mott Al-Sala. Megan Sandhu as Star the bride. Quest? Was he... Uh, uh, what's that movie that we love? Uh, Quest. Uh, Galaxy <laughs> Star Quest. Quest. Was he Galaxy, Galaxy Quest, Quest guy? The Romulan commander? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I'll look it up. Uh, yeah, look it up. What was look his it up. name again? Uh, the Romulan, the the main Romulan. main Romulan. Yeah, I think it was uh, Matteo Borassa. Oh no, that's that's the sub commander. The commander is Matthew McFa- McFadzian. Okay. All Continue. Right. On. Anyway, all right. Uh, and Carolyn Scott as the Praetor. Not who I thought. Nope. Nope. Okay, we're having a great episode, guys. Just in case you're wondering, this is just our truly our best work. Uh, what do you say? We hop into the screening room and start talking about this episode. Man, what, what is happened to our happening? bumpers, buddy? I won't give it away, but I am. All right, let's just roll. Okay. You know, usually so I do a, a check, Keith, but it didn't happen as much today. No, the checks did not clear today. We uh, begin. Zooming over an asteroid. Keith, being you know mined. what else I didn't do is open the slideshow. <laughs> I was de- we were dealing with the thing, with this the hack thing. Yes, yes. Somebody ha- there it is. Oh, oh it looks so good. Boy, okay. boy, oi, oi, boy. So we begin zooming <sighs> over an asteroid being mined for resources. We're in the neutral zone, or near the neutral zone, between the Romulans and the Federation. And we are reminded that a hundred years ago, there was a war between the Federation and the Romulans, and we haven't had any contact since. The outpost is defensive and designed to keep an eye on the Romis. See what it did there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't but, think anyone's ever used that. But two things I found really fascinating. Um, one... I think the monologue Spock gives on Balance of Terror, summarizing this whole conflict and the establishment of the neutral zone is an incredible monologue, incredibly well delivered. B, it gave such Cold War vibes. Big time. Being But being written in the 60s. Well, 60s was very much in the Cold War. Yeah, I guess you always just think 80s Cold War. Like I associate. No, Cold War was was yeah. well raging in the 60s. Yeah, but in fact, I mean, remember like the Cuban Missile Crisis mm-hmm. and. Yes, know, I, it, I, 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 I yes. Also, last uh, just to kind of point, 
You know, we often, and I have started to do it in post, Keith, that's what we're, but like, you know, have that rumble, the show, low ship rumble, the white noise. Mm-hmm. Interesting yeah. to me that in the original series, there is no low rumble white noise. It's all like submarine, beer, 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 like sonar beeps and blips and yeah. whistles. It's kind of established well, this, that this way. This is without very them. much a, a submarine, yeah, a submarine battle going on, a Cold War submarine battle. I mean, it's, it's actually like based. The original screenplay of that episode was based. Well, was not based on a submarine film, but uh, Fathoms Below or some something like that. Uh, but but ultimately, the screenwriter of that episode that was uncredited in this episode did give credit to the submarine movie because. He said, I see, I had seen that movie and it did influence this episode. I just didn't put it together while I was writing it. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, it is crazy to think about this episode. I mean, you know, always good sci-fi, right? Is always commenting on what's happening now using sci-fi as a lens. And just how scared we were at that point um, in the middle of the Cold War. Always, you know, it's always, when are we going to start the war? When did the bombs start falling? Duck and cover. Um, the anxiety of that is such a big part of this episode and to watch it now where we're not in the cold war anymore, but like mm. there's still plenty of stuff because we're old enough. And I'm sure a lot of the people watching this are old enough to remember. Um, Director Vincent McEvely uh, had seen the 1957 film, the enemy below, but only noticed the similarities between its plot and the episode later. He admitted, obviously it's the same story. And Keith, Trivial trivia, the term photon torpedo was only invented in a later episode, but the same effect was used this one, although they still called it a phaser. Huh, interesting. Well, there you go. Hey, you know, maybe Mike does trivial trivia, original series trivial trivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right in the fly. Now, Mike, waste your time by reading Wikipedia. <laughs> there you go. I mean, <laughs> welcome to the show, folks. <laughs> So uh, anyway, the Enterprise and Pike's girlfriendship are there to help with the retrofit of the asteroid. Pike is making leftover pasta from his for his girlfriend, Captain Battelle. They discuss the rumors of what the Romulans are up to and her liking his beard. She says, uh, oh, got to run. And, but before she does, she says, I'm always curious of what the Chris of tomorrow is going to be. And that, kids is what we call foreshadowing. So good. Um, but uh, yeah, Pike cooking, good, good technique. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, later, we meet the commander of the outpost, Commander Hassan al-Sala, who is complaining that they're still using iPhone 4s out here. But never to fear, they're going to upgrade everything, including a bunch of automated mining ships. Now, of course... If you have seen Balance of Terror, you know this is a character from that episode, instantly recognizable. Then Alsala's kid comes in. He's super excited and wants to join Starfleet. And this causes Pike to immediately short out. This kid is going to grow up to be one of the cadets he gets killed in his dark future. Can you imagine uh, if you've, you've, you get to meet Mickey Mantle? You hand him your baseball, and he drops it and walks away and with PTSD. Runs. He's like, ah! Runs away. I'm like, oh, crap. Wow. Yeah. Mickey Mantle? That's a... <laughs> well, you, you, your head's in the 60s. I get yeah, it. Yeah. I get it. Oh, my God. I, I, I run into Whitey, White Shoes Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Babe Ruth put a cigar out on my forehead and ran away. <laughs> Oh 
I've got yes. the the the, the uh, I didn't get the autograph, but the burn is forever. Yeah, Jim Thorpe slapped my mother. <laughs> okay, uh, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Jim Thorpe slapped my mother is the best T-shirt no one understands ever made. I mean, Babe Ruth put out a cigar on my forehead. It's pretty good too. <laughs> So, uh, number one chases him down. She already knows what's what. Good writing, right? You don't need a couplet where he has to explain what's going on. Mm-hmm. She already knows what's going yeah. on. Why, you, know, you don't need to waste the time having him recap. Because um, the character's just smart. Let him be smart. Pike goes back to his quarters to stare at pictures of children that he's going to get killed. I don't know if the beginning of that sentence or the end of the sentence is creepier, but eh, both of them are true. Mm-hmm. He starts to dictate a letter warning him not to join Starfleet. Mm-hmm. When he is interrupted by a voice out of the dark, it's himself, older Pike, wearing an original series movie-era uniform. Hell freaking yeah. I'm already a million percent yep. invested in this. Especially this since I saw Indy a couple days ago, and I would say that up-aging CGI slash makeup so much better than de-aging these days. Well, and I... It I'm sure is, it's much easier, of course, yes. Well, for sure. And they, I think they did a good job here not overdoing it, mm-hmm. um, like we might have seen on Deep Space Nine, um, just this, just this oh, very yeah, week. Oh, yeah, this week, yeah. Yeah, so they, you know, they, they gave him a little bit more gray and made him, you know, added some shadows to his face, but he didn't really need to do a lot. And he's bringing a gravitas, which I think is, is subtle but effective. Yeah, it's like a little older, a little darker, a little wiser. Uh, It's good stuff. So in Act 1, older Pike ominously holds up a knife while he proves that he's really who he says he is. Meanwhile, Keith notices that Pike has a video wall in his quarters displaying a sparkling forest. It was like fireflies. Uh, It's very like tween decor. I expected Edward Cullen to arrive riding a unicorn. Uh, But... We are not here to yuck Pike's yum. You make your video wall whatever you want, buddy. Uh, Old Pike says, You trying to save the cadets and yourself is going to wreck the universe. Uh, This is where I point out that I don't like the updated plasticky sleeves on the Mm -hmm. red original series jacket. It makes it look cheaper and is sort of like unnecessary. Yeah, you can see right there. I don't don't know... like, I get you're trying to tie it to the sort of texture stuff that you're doing there, but I don't, I think it looks, I think it looks cheap. But other than that, it's an A-plus uh, representation of that classic, iconic uniform. So, Old Pike hasn't arrived empty-handed. He's brought a time crystal from the Klingon monks. Yeah, at some point, Mike, you need to watch the introduction of Pike and Spock and his whole, like, like time monk journey there so this is a this is a pull also the time monks yes yes because that that is where he saw his dark future on mm-hmm. discovery okay um with these time crystals and the monks and blah 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 blah. it's actually so, the first time he says hit it i know because i was trying to put together a hit it compilation oh good for you but ended up just finding a bunch of punch it's which is the whole joke actually but <laughs> he does it in fact say hit it <laughs> yeah he sure does he sure does. Makes... Get ready for our new segment. <laughs> <laughs> the Mike remembers it wrong and has to live with it for the rest of his life. Yeah, but there is a, we do get hit it in there. Well, you'll hear it. It's fun. Okay. All right. Oh, well, good, good, good. So uh, 
Anyway, he's going to show young Pike what happens if he avoids his accident. So Pike touches the crystal and jumps forward into the original series timeline and into the episode Balance of Terror. Snap. Yeah. And he he drops in immediately in the middle of performing Kirk's speech at the wedding from that episode. Awesome. So cool. Instantly recognizable. You know exactly when and where you are. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's a thing we only see in the show once. So it's not like he's just on the bridge and has to figure out, we, we know, boom, we know exactly where we are. So uh, I, I, this might be wrong, but I, so I, when I was reading about Balance of Terror, there's a mm -hmm. needle drop in that moment. There's like a, a song playing during the ceremony. For some reason, I either don't remember hearing it or it wasn't playing on the Blu-ray version. Like there was a rights thing perhaps. And because they don't often license songs in the original series, but it was there was a song in the episode, apparently, according to the Wikipedia. And then there's one needle drop in this episode at the very, very end. Right. And I'm wondering if they're the same song, because that would be... Was there a song playing in this? Oh, interesting. At the, in the final scene of this episode. Oh, no, no, that yeah. I definitely, but in the original series. Yeah, in fact, I have it still pulled up. Let me see if I can... Uh... Yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't... You keep uh, the bounce terror became all core regular background song. Oh, the soundtrack cue in the chapel played during the opening scene of the wedding ceremony is an instrumental medley of 19th century English song long, long ago by Thomas Hayne Bailey. Huh. Uh, oh, so no, they're not. It's clearly this is a pop tune that plays at the end. So uh, it would have been good. They should have done that, but they didn't. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, that would have been uh, it would have been a little bit a little bit weirder. <laughs> just like he's sitting on the bridge like I've accepted my fate what's up guys <laughs> that is the face you just got his you just doing that. yeah what's up yeah hey Spock hey what's up Uhura? all right so anyway uh he does a good job of being dumb because he doesn't know people's names which is pretty funny but he is rescued by a red alert. Which also Spock, happened yep, in the original. Yep, sure did. Uh, Spock, now first officer, announces that an unknown space vessel has attacked Outpost 4. Pike arrives on the bridge. Uhura is still there, as is Ortegas and Mitchell. Interesting, because Pike is discovering what is similar and different from his timeline. Mm -hmm. And we're doing the same thing, what is similar and different versus the original series episode. Right in this moment, because I have the context, I'm thinking, okay, is Ortega's going to be the bigoted? Because that's yes. where the where, yes. the, where the she, bigoted guy she, was sitting. She is. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, cool, really interesting repeated beat. Um, and you can see that the bridge is darker now. They painted some of the pieces black to match the uh, original series. Um, again, really great small design elements, which which add a lot to it. Um, but of course, it wouldn't be exactly the same as the original series because that one had Kirk there. Mm -hmm. So he hired different people and made different choices. So it's going to be... And in this universe, it's, it's... Pike continued to be captain. It wasn't like... Yes. In, in the other timeline, Pike dies, so Kirk establishes himself and he's building... Kirk comes in and yeah. becomes captain. That's right. That's right. Uh, really interesting. So... Um, Anyway, we did that. So Uhura says that two other outposts have already been blown up. Ortegas 
says it's probably the Romulans because I'm the I'm the I'm the bigot guy here now. Um, and of course, we don't know what happened to Ortegas in these years mm-hmm. that turned her from like happy jokey to this angry person. Um, so. Because I had learned in Balance of Terror, sorry, this is going to be long, guys, because I need to keep the fill-in blanks for me. Because I had just watched it the first time, I learned in that episode that we had yet to make visual contact. We had never seen the Romulans. Never before. seen a Romulan before. So that's right. He, so on our show in our timeline here, we still mm-hmm. have not seen the Romulans. Right. This is the first time we've ever seen the Romulans. So when uh, he goes here. back to his crew, they have not seen the Romulans. They have not seen the Romulans, and it is interesting. I mean, I guess temporal prime directive or whatever that he doesn't say, here's what the Romulans look like. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, we're going to know. Don't be and, shocked. And, yeah. Don't be shocked. Um, although, other than the connection with the Vulcans that Spock at this point just sort of guesses at, as opposed to we know for sure, um, I'm not sure what tactical advantage it has to know what they look like. Oh, they've got little forehead thingies and they look kind of Vulcan. I don't know yeah. what the tactical advantage is there, but anyway, there it is. Well, the one cat you can reason with that one captain. Like he can be he can be spoken right. he can be diplomatically spoken to. So pursue that, Kirky. Maybe he tells them that in their little te- in their little. Well, but but he's not. But that's that's in the future. That's th- that whole thing is being deleted. Right, because so when we see the episode, it's happening yeah. after this had already happened, but it didn't that, happen. Right, so none of that actually happened, <laughs> yeah. so, including his conversation with, with Kirk. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, Pike grabs Spock and tells him what's going on. Uh, cool. Another cool beat, like you said, he doesn't, they don't have to right, rehash the whole thing, yeah. Just and, get and in my head like, and see for yourself. Here, I trust you, here's the deal. Yes, he proves it with a mind meld. Um, certainly, again, as a writer, we, we don't need to do that beat. We've seen it in a thousand movies. Just get to the point. That's a logical way that he would understand. It also allows Spock to see the accident from Pike's future. He gets it. Um, and he explains that the accident happened six months ago. But Pike, in this timeline, saved himself and the cadets. Um, which is an interesting timeline thing because I, I was under the impression that it was ten years in the future that this was going to happen. But actually, it's only six years. From when he found out. Uh, un- unclear on that. But uh, anyway, they decide, also smartly, decide our goal here is to witness uh, what you're going to screw up rather than change it. Because you're you're here temporarily. Um, we know this is, like, whatever happens here is not going to count. <laughs> Strangely, which Spock sort of is like, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, we just need to see what I would have done as opposed to try to change what's going to happen. It's actually not not the same but similar to Bashir in our Deep Space Nine this week where they're so readily willing to accept, oh, so we're going to wink out of existence the moment you leave? Cool, all right, well. Yeah, they're like, eh, whatever. Well, but they weren't real. Yeah, this guy is real, though. He lives in a timeline somewhere. Yeah, he's like... I'm about to go through something horrible and it's not going to happen and my entire timeline is going to wink out of existence. Mm-hmm. His his calm demeanor here is cool, but nothing compared to past Spock. That moment of just like understanding. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So it's, again, good writing is writing your characters to the top of their intelligence. Yeah. Competency porn. It happens writing. all the way, all through this episode. Everybody's working at the top of their intelligence, which is great. 
So uh, they arrive at Outpost 4 and call for assistance from the USS Farragut, where La'an is now serving. And uh, they get a call from Commander Al-Sala on the surface. And he acts out a scene that's almost exactly as it was on the original series. That they uh, somebody blew up the command post even a mile deep in the steel asteroid. Yeah, the script is the same. It's one-to-one. It's one to one, as is the shot and the fire. I mean, it's mm-hmm. slightly updated, but very recognizable for what it is. That's actually a pretty harrowing scene in the original. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, this this the original series, like having gone gone back and watch it, like doesn't pull any punches. Mm-mm. Like it's pretty grim, uh, which is which is cool. So uh, whoever it was, they couldn't see it, but they've got a super weapon. Then a Romulan warbird shows up and shoots uh, the Enterprise with a big red, or the shoots the asteroid with a big red weapon. It blows up, and our buddy Alsala flies off into the world and blows up the entire asteroid. Does he get pulled back like that in the? Yes. In, he does. He does, but it's 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 kind of it's almost funny because it's so it's there's the big explosion and the ah, right. but then like a couple of ticks of the beat go by before you see him kind of like, and it's less of a suck and more of him like running off screen. But it, it is something hilarious. Yeah. I need to go back and watch that again. <laughs> so we see the warbird cloak, and we've never seen cloaking technology before at this point either. But Spock in both timelines points out that they had to decloak to fire. They also then, there's also a nod here which I like is that clearly we can do view screen better. We've done it the big widescreen, but this right. is the exact POV of the original series. They use the the two seats in the front to obscure the green screen or the blue screen in the back and then just have the little viewfinder so it's actually a one to one nod. Yeah. No, I mean that that view screen, that iconic view screen uh yeah, I mean, they, 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 it's it's a much wider aspect ratio in the future. Everything's mm-hmm. a wider aspect ratio yeah. in the future. But uh, anyway, so uh, the uh, the the warbird disappears, but then the Farragut arrives, captained by holy crap, James Tiberius Kirk, and there he is, looking all Kirky. He uh, we meet him, and he says, "Let's see if we can track the ship." And Spock has found a way to track the Romulans using micro-lensing of the stars. Uh, very cool, right? Because, and we sort of see this in like Predator, right? So it's it's transparent, but when you walk in front of a light, it's going to bend a little bit, and that's how they're tracking it against the stars. Very cool. Um, they realize that the Romulans can't see, uh, can't see either of their ships because when they're cloaked, they can't run sensors, so they're flying blind. Um, very interesting. And again, we we see this technology later in the future where they definitely can, but they can't fire through a cloak, um, at least until a certain point. So they see um, nothing out of their view screen? They see nothing. So, I mean, they can probably look with their eyeballs, but you're not going to be able to see very much. Their sensors... Uh, I, I guess the idea is that their their cloaking technology both uses too much energy, and I would assume it's you know your sensors would be pinging out information that you'd mm-hmm. be able to see you even without the cloak. I guess even too, with the cloak on. Because I was trying to figure this out in my dumb dumb brain, and I'm thinking, well, in the vacuum of space, right? 
you look out and you're like here on earth if you're lucky you have like a, a mile point pov or if you're on a mountain you know like you have a, yeah you can yeah. see a couple of hundred miles in space you could probably see a thousand miles straight out right you could but you'd have to have like a telescope to do it and you'd need to which, know where which, you're looking which has too that. close of a focal point because the distances they are from each other you know it's not like a mile you could be a thousand miles from mm -hmm. each other and be right next to each other in, in concept of the speeds they're going i think so uh, we assume that they're heading home for Romulus. Unusually salty, Ortegas wants to blow them up immediately. It's clear she's about to take the role of the super racist guy in the original series episode. Uh, something clearly went down in the last six years to make Ortegas change I actually in her character loved, like this. loved that in the original series episode because I thought it perfectly captured and I thought his monologue perfectly captured it's not just rampant bigotry and racism it's a xenophobia rooted in war and fear. in Absolutely. fear and in kind of you know and, and, uh, there's an empathy a, a restrained empathy you feel because yeah their family many people died and went through it and, and it's it's hard not as human beings not to attribute with a broad stroke the tributes of the specific enemies to the the broader well, and, and audience lack thereof. Of, lack of knowledge of them, lack of experience with them. And and again, you know, this is where Star Trek was so good. And I really like that in the in Bounds of Terror, Kirk directly addresses it and directly knocks this guy back down. Because at this point, that's how we were feeling towards the Russians. We mm -hmm. were scared of the Russians. They were they were mysterious, scary oh, people. The They're going to blow us up at I mean, any moment. We, we, yeah, oh yeah, this went. And but years. I but I remember, you know, again, this is before the wall came down, before the fall of Russia. When I was a, I remember like in, in like elementary school, and the school brought in a an actual Russian to come in and talk to us about about his experience. I guess he had defected or something like that. And we were like, oh, what's he going to do? Is he going to be an alien? Whatever. And he's just like a dude saying like, yeah, this this, this what's going on. And they had an interpreter. But I remember it being very exotic and yeah. very sort of like, oh, a Russian. Woo. I mean, I guess the good and, news is that we as a, as a political power have solved this problem. We don't do, no, we yeah. don't do that anymore. So that's no, cool. we're all fixed. Everything. Everything's great now. No, no, no more. They xenophobia. Said we solved it. Yeah. Yeah, please. Uh, anyway, um, where am I? So <laughs> I just keep derailing you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we are never going to get no. this done. So uh, Kirk says, in the meantime, we decide whether to blow them up or not. Let's shadow them. And they're going to think we're just a sensor bounce off or something. Uh, Pike asks Sam Kirk to come up and get info on his brother. Sam says Jim Kirk is a competitive wild card. And Pike is worried that Kirk is going to start a war because of how reckless he is. Now, Mike, if I sat you down and I'm like, I need, I need some information on your brother. Mm -hmm. Tell tell me tell me how your your brother might destroy the universe. What would you say? I'd say my brother is impulsive. He mm -hmm. is prone to making rash financial decisions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in a crisis scenario, he's my first phone call. Basically, what he said about Kirk. almost exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so uh, Uhura calls and says there's a signal bouncing off of a comet that shows a feed from the Romulans bridge. And we're finally going to get to see what the Romulans look like. This is also a beat from the original series episode, which felt weird then and does now. Also, what I, you know, I had made the deep sea analogy, submarine analogy. Mm-hmm. I didn't even recognize Spock is literally peering through a, t- a, a periscope. Yeah, and and he does all throughout the original series. Like it's a very iconic thing that he does. Um, yeah, so much sub stuff. Um, so we see the first Romulan, and he looks like a Vulcan. Cue the Romulan music and the iconic Spock eyebrow. Oh, I laughed that, out loud. I mean, because like you know, if you're gonna the shot follow for shot up too, because they do the yeah. thing I laughed about in the Balance of Terror episode is that they spend. I think about 35 seconds on this beat, and they go to each prime cast member and do the zoom. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they only do one here, one super take. But they do the zoom in. They do. They shoot it just the same way, and he does the face. It's it's. And he's he's, he's got to do the Nimoy eyebrow. Yeah, it's I cool. Mean, that's, it's that's a cool beat. Super iconic. The big, but there's a huge missed opportunity here. Oh, do tell. The Romulan outfits should absolutely have a pop of purple somewhere because of those like sassy purple Romulan uniforms from the original series. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, do you, and now do you know the trivia about the guy who played the commander on the original series, the Romulan commander? He also played Spock's dad? He did also play Spock's dad. I well, I kind of holy crap! Keep, dude. I told you I went deep yesterday. I was really into these episodes, so I started reading about them and all kinds of stuff. You really did. <laughs> I met him once at a convention. Oh, that's cool. Ah, anyway, yeah. Which at that point I thought, oh, he's like a thousand years old, but he still had like next gen episodes to do. Their their outfits, the Romulan military uniforms in the OG, was so sass. I loved them, and I was hoping they would well, pop them here, but they didn't really. And of course, it's sort of based on Roman. You know their their ranks and their oh, yeah, um, names. outfits are yeah it's all it's all Roman based even though it's clearly an allegory for the Russians. Interesting. Um, anyway, so Kirk beams onto the Enterprise looking terribly skinny. I, Kirk's a little malnourished in this episode. He's under a lot <laughs> of stress. Well, they I think they cast him to look like other Kirk. No, they they well he never well I, at this point he was underfed. Um, so uh, they have a meeting. Ortegas is salty at Spock and says, this was, a, and who says, look, this is a surprise to me too. Then Kirk posits that the Romulans intentionally sent the signal of their bridge to sow discord in the Federation, which for me, I was really happy to hear. It clears up a wormhole from the OG. For me, that fixes mm-hmm. a 50 year old wormhole. Yeah, 100%. Um, because like and that always was like getting to you, know what? that captain actually tactically, even though he doesn't say it that he did that, right. confirm it. It does tactically make sense because they're playing this sure. cat and mouse. Absolutely, and so like that that had bugged me since I first saw that episode. Like, how, we, you have a shot of their bridge? How the hell does that happen? <laughs> a long one, like a long specific shot. Yeah, just like and like the camera. And then will, he like, looks and he like does it, a hero shot for like very long uh-huh. period of time. It, yeah, it, it always bugs me when they do, which actually doesn't bug me as much anymore, but like when you had like a surveillance video or like the Zoom call and the camera would move yeah, and it would zoom in and that kind of stuff until 
your freaking Amazon Echo now does that. So it's, forget it, your it, Amazon it, Echo, like those pet cams. They have like yeah, it's full 4K it, zooming. It'll auto track oh, yeah. and zoom, which. So, so that our technology caught up and closed that wormhole for me because mm-hmm. it always bugged me. But now it's like, oh yeah, no, that's totally doable, and and of course it would auto track. You that hear point. that, writers? So, Sometimes you can just say future and future. It'll happen, and it did, yeah. and it did. So there you go. Even though it was clearly like a production contrivance. Uh, anyway, so uh, they're forced to make a choice: attack or let the Romulans go back to Romulan soil. Kirk, Spock, and Ortegas, Spock interestingly too, say attack. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Spock had we let... to, right? Spock had, they had to one-to-one that. Yes, no, for sure. Uh, but it's an interesting choice for, for both of them. Um, if we let them get off scot-free, they'll think we're weak, and that might start a war. Mbenga and Pike think that fighting will start a war. And it's a really But you have political decision. cover, though, because they are on the wrong side of the neutral zone. So you are authorized to... Isn't that the yes. whole thing? Like, we- well, y- yes, but it's the same thing, you know. And we were dealing with the time because, uh, you know, it's it, it's funny how much this uh, makes me remember my childhood talking about, you know, uh, before the the wall fell. Um, that I remember we took a school field trip to um, a military base where the where they had uh, they had fighter jets there up in Vermont that would scramble. And chase down uh, MIGs and like and spy planes over our territory, right? They mm-hmm. would, you know, so they the Green Mountain Boys, what they were called, and so uh, their decision, like, yes, technically, you can shoot down this spy plane, but is that going to start a? Is is it worth shooting it down and risking them nuking us? Even though we're technically in the right, do we really trust that they're going to respond to that? Even though we're technically, you well, know, that's something you actually in, in social studies. I remember it's so hard to grok as a young adult slash not an adult, like an adolescent. Is that a lot of the a lot of things you learn about war or about political strategy, anything tactical really, is based on what your opponent would do. If they are a rational, sound human being operating <laughs> right. with rational, sound motivations, and then you grow up and realize, oh no, oh no, there are so many people like, who are not just... rational, who are not sound, and so no. everything politically, cha- not politically, everything tactically changes because you have to view it through the lens of your opponent, and that is, and it's a, based on our limited understanding of our opponent, and our opponent changes. Like twenty years ago. Putin may have been, you know, crass and criminal and and a dictator, but he wasn't crazy. But he's gone crazy. Well, and he not, used to be rational. And and who are the opponents, right? Because in here, and and I think you, we can make the argument that they they get so zeroed in on the one on the the cat and mouse one on one, and we make all the right moves for this Romulan captain. That's negating the fact that all it takes is one of his subcommanders to be like, yeah, no, we're going to do it a different way. I'm going to go. Right. I'm going to end well, around. And that's and thus why this all of it is so delicate, and so and so scary. I mean, and it, it, are we, you telling me you can't just on... send out a tweet and it's it's just fixed, Keith? Yeah, right. I mean, and and look, you know, we're picking on Russia because that's what the allegory is here. But like, you know, our country might have gone a little crazy for a few years oh. too, and so you don't know who's going to all of a sudden be like, wait, what? Who's in charge? We're never Uh-oh. off the hook, man. We're never off the hook. No, truly. So, 
All right, anyway, uh, where the heck are we? Okay, so Spock thinks that the Romulans are an offshoot of the Vulcans before they came to logic. And if so, they're dangerous. And and we talked about this last week, but also, but or yes, last week, that the Vulcans themselves had a very violent, and as he said, was imperialistic nature uh, um, before. So like, before they came to logic, they were worse than we were, which is really quite saying something. Uh, so Kirk says the Romulans are going to go through a comet, and we can, and when they do, we can see them, and we can box them in with the two ships, and and that's here's where we start diverging because now we have two ships, not mm-hmm. one ship, uh, to battle, which is really interesting. And I'm like, how are they? How is this going to play out? They're going to neutralize, not destroy the ship. Pike is again afraid that Kirk is going to start a war by blowing up this ship. And they're doing a and good, of course, the writing is doing a good, leading us to believe that Kirk is the... Is the problem, is, not yeah. the solution, yeah. Yeah, is, no, it's... Yeah, is the, is, the, is the MacGuffin, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, it's such a fascinating, like, m- message that this episode is about. But I've, I have thoughts about it. Anyway, uh, naturally, Mike, it's a trap. Can you give us an it's a trap? It's a trap! It's a trap! Sorry, I don't it's do Star Wars. Yeah, but I don't, I don't do... I don't know why you you keep expecting me to do imitations. <laughs> I, I just Because don't. your impersonations are hilarious. <laughs> it's a trap! Oh, that's the go. wrong button, but it'll do. It's something. Uh, and the Romulans attack, blowing the crap out of the Farragut. I thought for sure, Mike, Mike, I just thought Kirk was going to die instantly. I was like, oh, there's still Kirk, and then that's the the thing. We need Kirk. I didn't think he was going to die here, but I definitely thought he was going to die later. Uh, So the Enterprise fires back and is able to hit the Warbird, but then the Warbird shoots the superweapon at the Enterprise. It damages, but does not destroy them. And Spock says in both timelines that it has a limited range. They beam the Farragut crew aboard, including La'an, whose therapy has worked and is now a hugger in the future. That's that's good. That's very heartwarming. Mm-hmm. She's going to be okay. It didn't take that long. She did the work. Like six years, you know. In therapy timelines, that's very short. I've been in therapy for like 25 years. I'm not a hugger. I don't know. Uh, you so, <laughs> I hug all the time. Uh, so they talk to Una, or they, they talk about Una, number one, and we find out that in this, she's in prison at this point. Just, just stick that in your pocket for later. Well, I was—I thought I had missed something because she—he's like the deception. I thought you knew, and I was like, oh, should I know that too? But you do know that. I yeah, but I didn't know that's what they were talking about. Yes, yes. Uh, Pike and Kirk talk later, and Kirk is pissed. He says, "You flinched. You pulled your punch, and that's why we're going to lose." Keith, I'm I'm Pike. You're Kirk. Yeah. A <laughs> hundred pounds ago. <laughs> so uh, Kirk says, that you're because you're, you're a wimp, and you pulled your punch, that's why we're going to lose. And Pike says, Guys who, guy whose ship got blown up says, what? Uh, it's, it's, even a good, though, it's a good pissing contest here. It, it is. Uh, Spock calls. It, it's interesting because like they're definitely like 
measuring the cells and and yapping at each other, but also reasonable at the same time. It's awesome, actually. I think that dynamic is so delicately walked because the easy thing here is to have two big personalities, Pike versus Kirk, right. going, we don't agree. But most of the time they do, and they complement each other, and they their strategies overlap, and they give and take, and there's cooperation. I think it's yeah. actually a really sound exploration of like uh, heteronormative men working together without all the right. BS. Actually yeah. collaborating. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it is, it is also interesting that the there's clearly a pecking order, even though they're both the same rank. I think, I, I don't know, and somebody in the military might be able to explain this to me because I don't really seniority. know, but I would, but I, I think there's two things. One, seniority, which obviously Pike has seniority, and two, because he initiated the mission, mm. he would be in charge of that mission, I would assume. They're also on his ship currently. Uh, well, certainly when he's on on his ship, um, somebody would be able to explain that better than that. But I think there's something about that. Anyway, Spock calls and says he scanned the bird of prey. We damaged them, and they're limping home. Pike says, "Get him on the phone," and he leaves a message saying, "Let's be friends. I offer you a ceasefire." And the Romulans pick up, which takes us to Act. Three, Pike tries to make peace in the Cold War. We've been fighting since before either of us were born. They measure sabers for a bit, then agree on a two-hour ceasefire to make repairs and bury their dead. Every or shot of this guy is awesome. Yeah, I. That's a cool view screen. I didn't. I don't think I clocked that shot. That's great. I have. I have. Uh, I have feelings about that guy, but we'll get there. <laughs> Uh, Ortegas once again pushes to fight, and Pike gruffly tells her to stand down, um, which is a good it's a good beat for him there too because he's like I'm jokey 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 enough, mm-hmm. which I think is important. Which from, we see Kirk does as well in the last. Kirk episode. does as well, yeah. and Kirk sort of ex- explicitly says, "Leave your bigotry off the bridge," um, but they don't let Ortegas be quite as directly bigoted as mm-hmm. that other character was. Um, but the the point is still made. So on the Romulan ship, the first officer says, we need to fight. A ceasefire is weakness. And here's where I I think his beard is weird and distracting. I have never seen a beard on a Romulan before. And even if he did, it wouldn't be like stubbly. It should be tight and clean. And so I, I just, I have, a, I, have a, I have a problem okay. with the beard. Hold on. I really, I couldn't wait because I was like, oh, actually I think his subterfuge is perfectly balanced. It makes sense. It's a great foil for this captain who's acting reasonable. And it like, and I'm like, how did, I wonder what Keith had a problem with that. What did I miss? I'm waiting for your tactical complaint. And it's, Mm -hmm. his beard stubbly? Yeah, his beard is stubbly. That's not Romulans. Romulans are tight and Oh man, that's my favorite bit. Can I I there's, gotta, there's no way. Best, there's no way a Romulan ship would my, allow Best moment in the punchies might be Keith being pissed about the beard, actually. Stubbly bullshit. That is my wormhole in this whole episode. You know what bothered me about him if we're getting into it? You know what bugged me about him? Mm. He looked too much like the elf in charge during the Santa Claus movies. And I was distracted because I was like, Oh, is that, that dude from the Santa Claus? It's not, but I kept thinking that. What's his name? There's uh, something about Bernard. his 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 beard, his makeup, whatever, does not feel Romulan to me. It's not. It I, I was I wasn't a fan. wasn't a fan. Uh, and the actor's fine. I just mean like the the design of the character. 
So the Romulan captain is clearly the cool progressive one. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of look like him. No beard, though. That's what he would look like if he didn't do the beard, Just Keith. throw a stupid beard on him. I should say both of us are bearded like idiots. Uh-huh. This is uh-huh. My, my favorite thing I've ever done. <laughs> wow. Such a good episode. Uh, you know, I hope you're enjoying this audio-only version of this. Uh, so, uh, anyway. So, the Romulan captain is clearly the, the cool progressive one that is open to peace in a culture that doesn't have much interest in it. Uh, Spock and Pike chat about their path to the dark future. Oh, speaking Pike, of, Keith, before you... I'm yes. sorry, this is the last, my last... Uh, no, it's no, not my not. last interruption, but... This is the super purple accent I was looking for. Oh, sure. See what I'm saying? Yep. So good. Little little pop of the perp. Yeah, we don't get any of it, but I guess there are some purple accents, but there's there's a there's a little bit, yeah, because it's they're a little bit straddling the Romulans we see starting next gen versus the sort of Roman inspired Romulans because next gen it's all gray and green, mm. and so I don't think. In the original series, they hadn't really leaned into the green color for Romulans like they do for the whole rest of the run. Um, and so this sort of finagles the two of them. So uh, Spock and Pike talk about Una. And Spock explains that she got caught for being an Elorian and has been jailed. Kirk comes in, and uh, I don't know why I find it so distracting, but he's... He's uh, what I had a friend describe as frequently happens with actors. Uh, he's a he's a lollipop head, meaning he's got a normal sized head and a tiny little body, and it looks really weird from the side. Just, um, just, I don't get, get, eat a sandwich, buddy. He's busy, man. <laughs> I mean, how how much are you getting Brian Darcy James vibes off of this guy? Oh, now that you say it. He's maybe he's a he's a what they call a a, a repli vegan. He only replicates vegan? vegan. I guess all food in the replicator is vegan, isn't it? Because there's no harm so. done to animals. Yeah, well that that's a little bit murky because sometimes like they're like, "What? You ate an animal?" And then like two episodes later, they're like, "I killed and ate this thing." <laughs> so I, I it's, hard, it's all right. So Kirk's a lollipop head. The other guy's got stubble. Keith is into looks today. I'm very visually focused today for some reason. <laughs> um, so uh, Kirk says he wants to set up a backup plan. The Romulans could be calling for reinforcements during this ceasefire, and we should do the same. Smart. Kirk's made a lot of smart tactical decisions here. Well, he's... But... Yes, okay. Good. Yeah. You've got it. But the actual reinforcements are weeks away because they are way out on the edge of space. But as Pike points out very smartly, the Romulans don't know that. So Kirk asks for a shuttle to do his secret plan, which we don't know about yet. Then Spock works to fix the phasers in the turbo shaft, and we hear the voice of Scotty, who is not named or seen on screen, but we definitely learn that Scotty is working on the Enterprise. Do we know, are there any Easter eggs? Like, was that a, a replicant of his voice, or was they just got a voice actor? It's a voice actor. Okay. That would have been cool um, but if did they a, had, like... did a very good job. If they AI'd. Yeah, and I feel like James Doohan would have had enough, because oh, he, sure. he did so much voiceover um, on various things. Although, that's not his accent, so he's, mm. 
He's Canadian. So, um, yeah, but anyway, it only takes you only need half an hour of someone's voice to do a pretty good approximation. Yeah. Well, today, yeah. yeah, yeah, that would have been that would have been cool. I don't know, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could have fed if, in if all his, of his if dialogue. His estate from were the, happy with it. Yeah, you know, that's probably where the mix up. If came. his estate were cool with it, and they could pay the descendants, like that seems like a good. Or they, they could just do a plan. buyout for somebody on Fiverr, which is probably what they did. It's probably what they did. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, two hours are up. Pike calls the Romulans and tries to make friends again. Humans have strength to make friends, not enemies. That's how we're strong. The Romulan captain says, you know what? I feel the same way. Then a gazillion Romulan ships show up out of nowhere. Uh-oh. A whole bunch of different designs, none of which we've seen before, which is interesting. Turns out, Keith, he didn't have time mm -hmm. to shave because he was busy making phone calls. Making phone calls, yeah. Uh, an interesting, like, it's, it's fascinating what they have to do here with the ship designs because it has to feel old-timey because the, the Romulan Warbird that we have is clearly a only slightly modified version of what we have on the original series. I had a model of that hanging over my bed as a oh, kid. Cool. Um, and, uh, but they also want to have some variation in the fleet, of which there's not a ton, but you can see there's a few different types there. But it also can't be the next-gen ones, and it still has to feel a little bit old-timey. It's, it's cool, cool ship design that they did there. So uh, in Act 4, we find out that the Romulan first officer not only disobeyed the regulations on facial hair, he called in the fleet. The captain is pissed. He just blew up their best chance at peace. Then the Romulan flagship Praetor calls Pike and says, says surrender and kneel. I thought she did a fantastic job in this episode. The Praetor. Then Wait, dozens. He, time out. Yes. Time out. Because right. I mentioned it. I know what you're working on. Yeah. Um. Let me see. Hold on. Let me go back. I had mentioned the actor. I had thought that guy looked like. And mm -hmm. I think I'm actually. I think I nailed it. It's not this guy. But doesn't it look like this dude from Galaxy Quest? Oh. A little bit. Yes, it does. 100 percent does. That's Enrico uh, Colantoni. I did. I couldn't. I can pull his name earlier. So there we go. Well, there you go. So, uh, yeah, thanks, no, it thanks. did. Thanks it for did. indulging me. No, I was I was about to make fun of you for struggling with an Italian name. Cantanoli? Colantoni? That's like the most Italian person ever. Colantoni. <laughs> I'm Colin Tony. I got to bring in some Romulans <laughs> and a pizza. Give me yeah, actually, a that's what we call my uncle Tony. He's just eaten so much, uh, so much cured meats that they had to take his ass out and <laughs> give him a colostomy bag. So we call him Colin Tony. Yeah. That's, that's, Keith, that's... can we steal that for a play somewhere? I. <laughs> I, oh, that's my uncle Anthony. What do you call him? Colin Tony. <laughs> He's got a bag. I I, oof, I really hope this is a true story. No, it's not. <laughs> what? You just out of nowhere? I, just, I did. Every, I was doing a bit. Oh, that was a bit of. That was not good. That was not good. Mm. Nothing okay. has been good. This has been an hour and ten minutes of absolute garbage for one of the best episodes. I know, I know. Season well, finale, Keith. They're, they're propping us up. The show is propping You're us right. up. Thank God. So uh, then 
dozens of Federation ships appear out of nowhere. Awesome. There are two fleets standing nose to nose. Apparently, Kirk brought in all the automated mining ships, which we heard about before. They laid the track, but they're merely a bluff. But the Romulans don't know what the ships look like. Uh, so smart, so cool, makes sense. Um, this is a cool then, shot, uh, too, Keith. Yeah, yeah. You super and me, cool. too. It, it is, it, yeah. Ugh. It's interesting because it is very two-dimensional because mm -hmm. it has to be in the screen where they're all oriented. But in space, you're working in three full dimensions. They could be coming from all over the different angles and stuff. But, you know, it looks great on the poster. you got to do it that way. So the Praetor calls back. Pike says, these are Delta-class attack ships. And they spar a bit about who was the aggressor here with the Praetor. And they show a recording of the attack on Outpost 4. Says, uh, we caught you guys red-handed. And uh, the Praetor, of course, is not happy about the, uh, the ship being caught. So she has the first Romulan ship fly forward. And the Praetor says, this is a culling. The Romulan captain calls and says, in a different reality, we could have been friends. Which was also the last line of the other timeline's captain. It's the famous line, right? I think so, yeah. I mean, what a... This, this sequence is awesome. Then the Romulans blow up their ship as punishment for their failure. Whew! Ruthless. I thought... Well, what I thought was going to happen here, which is... This is a cool beat. But I thought they were going to send... Because obviously we're waiting for like the big, what's the big thing that's going to happen that is makes the future so bad. I thought they were going to force his ship across the neutral zone to force the Enterprise's hand to blow them up. And then the big war starts, like the big oh, Romulan human war, because, you know. Yeah, well, but I think I think that the, yes, that would have been an interesting tactic, but I think the 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 bigger story is about like the Romulans. It, it's like a schoolyard bully. They see weakness, they mm -hmm. will exploit it. They have no control over it. Um, so uh, there's the there's then a battle, and Kirk puts the drones between the Enterprise and the Romulans. Um, pew pew, they start getting blown up. The uh, Kirk then beams on board from his shuttle, and they warp out. And this is where I thought they were going to kill Kirk, mm -hmm. um, which. You know, I get the value of them being able to talk at the end of this, but I feel like if we're going to do an alternate timeline, you know what? Actually, I take it back because it changed when it became about Spock. Yes. I think if you killed Kirk here, it would be about Kirk. Or there's at least, there is then a you, question. You put him on the unequal footing, right? We have a question. Which was the important part? Which was, which was the important that... one. And if they didn't have Spock go through what he does, they definitely should have killed Kirk. But I think it's kind of stronger because it, it, it subverts your expectations. Yeah, I mean, I thought what I was, where I expected it to go, and, and, and it may be, there might be flavor of this, but I expected it to somehow, they could have killed Kirk, they could have done a lot of things, and I thought when we lit in a couple scenes when we have the final conversation between Pike and I thought at some point I thought it was going to be about the relationship of Spock and Kirk because mm. that ends up being such a pivotal relationship. And then we obviously in the lore, we know Nimoy and 
Shatner had a thing, and I thought somewhere we were going to establish that that's the important relationship. As much as Spock mm. and and Pike are friends here, yeah. the important relationship we need to save is Spock Kirk, and I think they kind of punt that a little bit and make it a focus more on Spock. Which, well, I mean, well, because like their their friendship, while great TV and great movie, and and make them fight for each other personally, don't have the like intergalactic stakes mm -hmm. that Spock did. Well, and I don't know a lot of the movie, I can't recall a lot of the movie plots and different things that they need to keep that in lore as well. So he does end up being, I think, a much more yeah, bigger well, force. The, what we're paying off here is actually something that happens in Next Gen. Um, and uh, wouldn't be a bad bonus, there's there's a two-parter. Okay. Um, that wouldn't be a bad bonus thing for the for the patrons because it does eventually tie in to why we have Romulans on Deep Space Nine. Why 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 are we sort of like uncomfortable allies with the Romulans in Deep Space Nine era? Mm. Well, something happened to make that happen. Interesting. Hey, heck, we so, we have we had one on board for an episode. Yeah, we sure did. Our cloaking yeah, specialist. Yeah, they, they lent us a cloaking device, which is this series is how. We first invented the cloaking device. Anyway, so cool. Uh, they uh, they beam Kirk aboard. They warp out, and we hear the Romulans declaring war on the Federation. So, whoops. You want to hear? This is not a wormhole, but this is Mike's only choice. I really hate it. Was the two mm -hmm. shots of Kirk in weird, scary POV cam? You know, like one of those Pike. Yeah. Like wearing one of those like uh, harnesses that does this mm -hmm. the steady cam. I hate that shot. I always do. Yeah, I don't. I don't like it normally. I I didn't hate it here. It, it was it was appropriate to the storytelling. Yeah, but it's just so. It's that yeah. feels very uh, what's the word abrupt. Yeah, it 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 can be. It does draw focus. Big so, change here. Instead of killing the the boy, yeah, like they do in the Balance of Terror, they kill him at the end. They kill her here. Yep. Uh, Pike is called the sick bay. He finds lots of dead people, including the bride from the wedding. Uh, and like you said, that is a play on what happened in the original series, which I thought was the most like brutal part of that mm -hmm. episode. Which is mm -hmm. like, oh god. Then we find a horribly mutilated Spock, in the same way he was going to be, and Pike gets it. His face is even torn up, like Pike's is going to be. He uh, he gets it, and uh, he goes back to his quarters to find himself, older himself waiting, holding a picture of the younger Pike shaking April's hand, wearing the uniforms from the cage. Great little continuity Easter eggs. So uh, in between this iconic one that this Pike is watching and then the amazing red uniform is going to be garbage uniforms <laughs> from the cage. So going to have some very bad fashion choices uh, in between these two. But I love it as an Easter egg. Really, really cool. Um, Old Pike then says, uh, this was bad, right? It gets, it gets worse. The war is still going on in my timeline, and millions will die. I, I would imagine probably billions would die in that. And uh, the best chance at peace with the Romulans in any timeline is Spock himself. And that, buddy... Spock is more important than you. And every time you try to change your fate, Spock dies. Um, which is 
God, talk talk about a like like a mind f if your if your like future self came back and said, you know what, Mike, Jen is more important than you. I'd be like, yeah. I mean, I tell you that every day, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's it's really quite it's really quite something. Uh, then Kirk arrives, and they both feel like they were supposed to meet each other, and Kirk says, and this is the uh, the the message of the episode: sometimes you can't avoid a fight, and they have a chat. Uh, then Pike touches the crystal and sends himself back to his timeline. His fate is sealed, as is the boy he was trying to save. Um, he's he's like he he very much is accepted it and cool, but he's like a little bit like oh cool, I'm feeling better. I'm I know. Feel I wish we kid. had the small scene where he was like he changed the letter and he's like uh, somebody set up a, a, a all expenses paid tour of that for that kid. We should help. We should we should make a wish that kid a little bit. <laughs> like, let him ride in the cockpit for a while. Like do something. You Wait, ran like, away I'm, on the interview. Now you're just gonna let him die. I mean, like, like I'm not. Like I'm feeling fine. I'm not sick. Why is John Cena here? It's so weird. <laughs> Uh, delete, anyway. delete, delete. So, uh, Spock comes in unaware that any of this has happened. They talk for a bit, and Spock can sense immediately what happened, sort of. Um, really so intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you remember, you know, uh, Vulcans are a, a tiny touch telepathic. Mm-hmm. So he has probably some pretty good instincts. He's but like, it's like another scene which there's so much unsaid and and they have yeah. the confidence. Remember, we, there's there's a fluctuation of confidence here and there in the writing room. But here they know they're like, we've written Spock really intelligent. We've written him with a high emotional EQ at least this early on, and so yeah. th- we can let it be unsaid. And it's so much more powerful that way. Oh yeah, he put he put so much together. Uh, really cool. So uh, yeah, they talk about it. They talk about their friendship. They almost make out. Then Pike goes back to the bridge as old-timey music plays. And he Pike nods to everyone and sits down on Keith's the Pike nod chair. is actually pretty effective. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. Do, you do, yeah, yeah, yeah. You pick, yeah. pick up that phone. Hit that button, buddy. Huh? You yeah, hitting that button? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Then... You they know, get a... it's not the same as it was. No, get, no, no, no pike nod for you. <laughs> so uh, then they get a call, and his girlfriend beams in and with security and arrests number one for violations of anti-genetic manipulation. Here we go, cliffhanger. And I think he kind of like breaks says, up with her. I mean, yeah. You arrest it, my friend. We have to break up. We have to see other people. Yeah, I mean that 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 would be tough, you know. If uh, if Jen came and arrested me, would you break up with her? Hell well, this no. is a good a good diversion because in Balance of Terror they end the episode with with uh, uh, pretty much Kirk banging the uh, widow. Uh, <laughs> she visits him and he's like clearly gonna bang her. And then in this episode, <laughs> it's pretty clear. Go back and watch it. It's pretty pretty clear. I mean, that's the subtext with every person yeah. Shatner comes across ever. So I was like, there's a scene of them. Oh, they're embracing. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? She's single now. Um, and it looks like, like uh, four hours. Looks like Pike's single again, too. Mm. Certainly seems possible. He's single, but this isn't over, yo. 
And that is how we conclude season one of Star Trek Strange Ooh. New Worlds. I'm excited. I need to stretch. Yeah, time, time to stretch. Uh, is, is there any chance there is some sort of a jingle that uh, is is completely wrong about what the what there the, may be the joke Keith? Is? I may have just montaged oh. a bunch of things uh, oh, that are all stretch. wrong except for the hit me. Uh, uh, do you did you ever play Punch Out on the NES back in the day? Oh, the Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson Punch, Punch Out. Out? I didn't have it, but oh. I think I played it at like a friend's house. Well, this is the deepest cut then for you, Keith. You won't get half the Easter eggs because every time we talk about the punchies, all I can think about is <clears throat> Mike Tyson's punch out. So I wanted to incorporate that. I put together a little montage. And also, you you might remember a couple weeks ago, I, I did maybe the world's worst Stallone. <laughs> yes, and I did demand that it be part of the bumper. Keith, yeah. maybe this will work. Maybe it won't. Let's see. I can't wait. <laughs> Punch it! Punch it! Punch it! Punch it! Punch it! Punch it! We can beat him. Punch it! Punch it! Let's punch it! Punch it! Let's get the hell out of here! Punch it! Punch it! Punch it! Punch it! Punch that shit! Punch it! 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 It's the punchies! Wow! And here it was! You were like, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. You went full talent, I buddy! Did. I did. I went for it. That was really something. So that's the Mike Tyson's Punch-Out theme. And if we get demonetized, I'm going to have to change it. But I think I think it's probably okay. Well, there's a lot of other nonsense happening it's at the true. same time. We'll find out. We'll find out. But uh, uh, yeah, I've never go. been so excited to do the punchies here. Uh, all right. That was, that was pretty cool. I look Thanks, forward to watching that every week. All right, so uh, let us talk wormholes in the plot, Mike. You know, the the experience I don't get is to have watched this without having seen Balance of Terror, because I wonder if mm. there would have felt like there were more wormholes or things that seemed incongruent. I don't think so, but I'm just curious as to whether yeah. that would be how that would, that would rock. Anyway... Aside from the facial, I, one thing about this episode that I'm gonna loud is how tight I think it is and how well I think they went over it with a fine tooth comb to make sure that they were connecting the things they thought would be connected, that they were making sure the lore that they wanted to establish was that or was already established is not messed up. And I guess they had a, the safety zone of that all of that was gonna disappear. They were gonna erase that future, so it didn't really matter. Mm -hmm. To be frank, I don't have any wormholes that I clocked, so I'll, I'll pass on the baton. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, I, I, think, I think the plot is super tight. The logic of it makes sense. Um, really, really solid. Um, yeah, I, I, I think literally it's just stupid little nits to pick that don't even necessarily matter. But the, um, it, I think it was the look of the Romulans. Mm. There's something about the the makeup or the lighting that they did that did not feel super, they looked a little too human. Mm. And I think the beard was a part of that. I think the, the, the makeup, I think they toned down the makeup, the, uh, the actual like base, right? Cause the Romulans have a little bit of a, like a yellowish tinge to them on next gen. And I think we were missing that a little bit. It might have been there, but the lights changed it, something like that. 
So it felt a little bit not full Romulan-y to me. Okay. Um, so I don't know if that was a... They were trying not to change the color of people's faces, which I completely understand, especially if the Romulans were supposed to be stand-ins for something else. I totally get it, but it, it I was just... There's a little bit there that it didn't feel quite right on the, the facial makeup uh, for the Romulans. But other than that, that's just stupid. Like, who cares? It's a really tight episode. Let's talk about our best moment. So there's... Oh my god, so much good stuff. Uh, all of the nods to the previous episode are incredible. And I think it's just such a smart way to do it and such a cool... If it if it affected me as much, having just watched them back-to-back, I can't imagine people who are super fans of the original or Trekkies hardcore. Like, I think it must just be such a fun... So much fun fan service and also makes the episode better, but... And all the Kirk stuff, I'm sure people... I'm sure there were human beings who just lost their shit, good and bad. You know, people who thought mm-hmm. it was, oh, this wasn't, that's not my Kirk, or people were just like, oh, Kirk said it. But for me, I have to say, it's the last scene with Kirk and, uh, with Pike and Spock. Yeah. Because of what we had talked about just a few seconds ago, I won't belabor the point. There's so much unsaid, but both performances are so fueled and informed with all of that subtext that they know the audience knows. And so, not all they have to do is just feel. And that could have been shot asynchronously they might have shot that first for all we know there's no there's just so much that goes into that type of performance and that type of direction and it just all comes off and there's an emotional weight with almost nothing said in that scene that feels important i can't say it better than that so for some reason that that stuck out to me as my best moment yeah no an incredible episode yeah i i I think that would probably be my, my choice too but just for the hell of it I think his scene with himself in the beginning. Yeah, both. Um, really. You know, Pike, Pike, and old Pike. Um, they're just like the the little extra gravitas of the older Pike, who was who has been through some stuff. Um, I thought I thought he just did a really good job of playing against himself, playing a slightly older version of himself. Though it's it's still Pike, but he's a little bit less jokey. He's whatever. Um, I, I thought it was really it was a really good scene. It was well written. It was well done. Um, didn't waste a lot of time. Got right to the point. I think the story about his his horse. Or was it was a donkey who died. It was a something horse. Horse. It was a horse. Um, that was funny. It, it was both funny and heartbreaking. And I thought it was a really good way to do that. It was a nice little character piece. Um, so that would be my best moment. So. We have so much to talk about. Mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. time to hand out some self-sealing stembles. You get some stembles. Come on. Hell yeah. They are self-sealing. Here are some stembles for you. For you. Uh, All right, Mike. Spoiler alert. I absolutely loved it. Loved this episode. You know, it's so fitting after last week where you had such strong feelings about the cribbing of taking Mm -hmm. other ideas from other properties and basically just using them. Not even using them to inform what was happening or to Easter egg, but just blatantly kind of using those those beats. 
butted up against an episode in which I felt like they did not crib anything from the previous Balance of Terror episode. It was, and it wasn't even just paying an homage, saying, oh, for those of you who catch it, there's the eyebrow. For those of you who catch it, it's the wedding scene. Right, right. They used it as a a base and then piggybacked on top of it to tell a new story and move the other, and, and inform the other story. It's like a retcon that is both happening and not happening, as you sort of illustrated at the front. It's really an interesting uh, take on the time, on the, the it's, a, it's, it's really a time travel episode, really, mm-hmm. traveling into the future yep. to, but not to change it, but to see what just we witness. don't want to change, just, right? Just, you're just going like, so what did I, how badly did I screw this up? Let me go watch it. <laughs> Which, when you think about it, actually is pretty interesting because you know that all he is, the, the only actual agency, the only actual movement mm. forward in this episode is Pike making a decision, is deleting an email, really. That's that's well, it. It's. Well, but it's more than that. It's, it, it is. I mean, it's basically like choosing to let himself die. Yes. I'm just saying, none of the actual bombastic events that we see happen have right. happened. It's all right. what could happen. It's an all yeah. a hypothetical based on this small choice in the moment, which is both interesting because it could neuter the feeling of urgency in the episode, but also... Is a is a great exploration science fictionally at, of the the ripple effect, right? Mm-hmm. Boop, butterfly effect. So I think it's really cool. I think all of the performances are really are really great across the board. But it's nice that since we've closed the, we've closed Hammer's arc, we closed Nubanga's arc, we closed Uhura's arc. Whether we did we did those satisfyingly or not is up for debate. Mm-hmm. We've debated it, but here well, we get we, we get yep. we get Pike not being so wishy washy anymore. Pike realizing that his fate is sealed. He's he's okay with it. Now he's going to whatever these next six years entail and and or seasons of the show. He is who he is, and so yep. it, we're we're released of a lot of baggage at the end of this season that allows for some open doors moving forward. Um. I think as an episode, I just think the 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 hoop they the 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 th- needle they thread was so well done. Everything was exciting. I d- I just don't know. Jason, friend of the show, who who I caught his email. I know a couple of you sent it, but that's who wrote us on the Patreon, and I and so I had watched the other episode. I think JD did too. Yeah. Happy birthday, JD! By the way. Yeah. Uh. I'll say that I don't know if I love it as much. A great portion of what I love about this episode is what they do with the old episode. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to me. I don't know if I would love it as much if I hadn't watched it. I think that was a really astute shout out uh, for, for, because I don't know. And I don't know. I don't know if we, we could talk as a writer, Keith, whether that's a good choice or not, because there's going to be a huge point, popu- point percentage of your viewership that has not seen that episode. But I don't think it's going to be that huge, frankly, because this You know show... your demo, yeah. You know your demo. Like if you're watching Strange New Worlds, like you're you're a Trek fan, right? And it it isn't pulling out some like random episode of yeah. Enterprise that yeah. not many people have seen. It's one of the most famous episodes of all Fair. of Trek. Yeah, it's and like it's going with back Captain and, Kirk, and whether you watch the episode or not, you know Captain Kirk, and yeah, so, you know the basics of it. Okay, fair. 
that's not really it doesn't doesn't really matter. I did watch it and I did love it. And so at the end of the day, I think it's getting my it's my favorite episode of the season. I think it sends us off with oh, my one nit to pick would be that I find the the cliffhanger to be not that satisfying. We kind of knew this was coming. Well, we don't know we knew what was coming. We knew what was going to happen. The way Kirk originally responded to it when she told him about the Elysian thing, Pike. he was yeah. Pike. Sorry, everything's confused now. He didn't see. He didn't seem to raise the alarms as so much. Well, he said, he almost said like, "I welcome that fight." Right. So it, I, I guess I just I guess the stakes didn't feel as high as they are here. Even though they said she's been in prison for six years, so apparently that is. It is a bigger deal than I had expected, and also, didn't we? Didn't the pilot? Isn't the first thing we do is go and rescue her from somewhere? So now I feel like that's a beat we got to do again. Well, I mean, what it's clearly setting up, and I, I like spoiler alert. I know that coming up soon, there's going to be a, a big extended courtroom drama, mm. which I think this is is how this is going to play out. Which is um, basically like a, an, another take on Measure of a Man, which is one of the best next-gen episodes about whether Data is human. Let me phrase it a different way. Then. Yeah. One thing that has not really struck me, I think I, on the whole, we can talk about this maybe another time, I, on the whole, liked this season better than you somewhat. You had bigger, I would say, episode to episode, you've had more nits to pick than I. Your, your well, here, I can do it mathematically. Well, let me, Your uh, average okay. up up until this episode was a was a seventy nine, and my average was a seventy seven. So we're pretty close. Okay. Uh, well, I'll say one of the things that has not worked for me is that character. Number one, as a character mm -hmm. and her relationships, and and I'm not even putting on Rebecca Romaine anymore. It's just on the whole, I feel kind of apathetic towards that character currently, mm -hmm. and so that character having the big cliffhanger doesn't strike me as I don't uh -huh. and also the fact that I don't have to, I, I am I don't have to wait a, a, a year to see what happens That's I get right. to see yeah. it's, it's it's not quite best of both worlds part one yeah I, so I'm anyway on the whole that all said so it's it can't it's not like a, it's not a hundred selfies temples but I feel very strongly about it uh, what's the highest ranking I've given this season the highest you gave was a 95 oh 95 well then I got Spock it. Amok. Spock Amok that was good 96 96. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I have a, I have a whole bunch of various thoughts. I don't want to repeat anything that you just said because I agree with all of it. I think it's great. Um, I think one of the major pieces of this is our new Kirk, right? Is the casting of our new Kirk. Um, and, uh, Paul Wesley here as, as the new Kirk. And I, I think there are parts of it that I, I think, it, I think it does a great job. I think there is still room to find the Kirky Kirk. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the the Kirk smirk. <laughs> you Do know you what I mean? Do you think Kirk is going to be a character we need moving forward? Is that the, oh, well, he'll tell? be back. I'm yeah. I'm sure he'll be back. Um, and I don't know if he's going to be a major like a, a regular character, but I'm sure he'll be back. Um, and uh, so I I think there's it, it was the picture of him that that the picture of younger kirk that pike sees with his hair a little different that felt much kirkier to me than this sort of like 
he was he was he was confident and aggressive, but uh, you know I, I guess maybe because you don't want to because it's it's kind of Pike. I mean you know it's like if you add, if you added a little bit of the Kirk smirk to this guy, it's pretty much Pike. Hmm. Um, but anyway, so like I'm I'm curious to see how how Paul Wesley is going to what he's going to do with the character moving forward. Um, and curious to see where that how that develops and whether he he goes in the Shatner direction or or does something else. Um so I'm I'm reserving judgment on 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 his performance there. Um the other thing you said uh cuz you you mentioned you know how many seasons we're going to have moving forward and I think that might be why I think we retconned from 10 years to 6. Hmm in terms of before Pike dies, because, you know, this this may not be in any way what they're thinking, but it, it did make me think, well, if it's six more years we get with Pike, that gets us to seven seasons, which is what all of the Trek tries to get to. That's what Next Gen was, that's what Deep Space Nine was, that's what Voyager was, that's what Enterprise hoped to get to and didn't. Um, so are they, are, are we getting to a stopping point? You know, if, if everything goes great, do we stop at the end of seven seasons with what happens to Pike? Oh, that'd be a grim way to finish the show. But I mean, it seems like this has established that it must happen. And we know that it's canon. So it, it does happen. It will yeah, happen. Paramount has yet to show happen. me that they can keep a show going for seven seasons right now. Yeah. Commit to it. Well, yeah. But I know this one's doing well, so maybe I don't know. Um, but I, that would be awesome. Um, and the other, the other thought that I have about this is the message of the episode, right? Which is fascinating in its not Starfleetness, hmm. right? Because the message of the episode is you can't always avoid a fight. The message of the episode is sometimes you really do need to punch the bully in the nose. And you can't always talk your way out of something. You can't always Starfleet Federation your way out of a fight. And, um, you know, and I, I've, I've given it some thought and I, I think about it in my own life, right? I'm a, I am a pacifist. I am a liberal. I have, I have thrown two punches in my life. One of them was uh, in a hockey fight. And two, I was 10 years old fighting my best friend in a playground. And that's the last punch I've ever thrown. No, the hockey one was after that, but like, I, I'm not a I'm not a a fight person in any way, shape, or form. But I look back on my childhood, and, and it should not surprise anybody, but I was bullied pretty mercilessly. I had some pretty rough experiences, and my regrets, looking back, is that I didn't punch the guy in the nose, right? Because, you know, I I might have gotten beaten up worse than I did, but he probably wouldn't come back. And, and that there is value. I was too afraid of getting in trouble. I was too afraid of my parents being mad or whatever. And you know what? I should have just socked the guy. Mm-hmm. One of the many. Um, but like there's, what, there's like a moment in particular where I was like, I could totally take this guy right now, but I'm so afraid of getting in trouble. And, and, and I, if, if I had a moment, if I could beam back into my life, I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> I don't, I'll get the detention. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop you in the nose. And... I think that would have made my middle school experience much better than it was. And probably, you know, it changed things for the better. 
but like the the ideology of pacifism the the concept which i profoundly believe in right but you know by 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 not engaging i showed the weakness which drew him and drew others uh to to exploit that and so i i actually agree with the message here I don't think it, there's it's any dangerous. right answer there's an, it no could go right much answer worse. that's right all no. the time right no actually that's a very good way of putting it like mm-hmm. we don't know what the right answer is there but we do know that no one answer fits every situation I want to point out quickly that I find interesting is that, and I would agree with you, that is one of, one of, if not the central focus of this episode. And But what the central focus of Balance of Terror was, which was that we got to stop fighting other people's fights. Sometimes something goes on, a war goes on for so long that we don't even know what the fight is anymore. This isn't our fight. This was there. And we don't even touch that. That is not part of this because this is very much not dealing with that that concept yeah. it's it's interesting well it's complicated and and it, it really like it, it, in in some ways this episode is picard versus kirk hmm. because picard was all about peace and negotiations and the diplomatic effort and kirk was this swashbuckly guy who was going to blow up the ship and um and so and and that push pull that question of which is the right way to go. And you don't always know, you know, it, like either answer could be right or wrong in a lot of our situations. And you really just have to trust your gut. Um, it's fascinating. I, I love that exploration. I think it's, it's a fascinating episode from that standpoint. It's an incredibly well done, well directed episode. It looks phenomenal. Performances are great. Mike, let me ask you a um, question. Keith. Yeah. Captain question. Because mm-hmm. I also felt interested, what I felt and it was an interesting scene here too is when we have the first, when when Pike is talking to Sam about Kirk and when Sam is is describing his brother, is dis- describing uh, James, James T. Kirk, um, it almost sounds like he's describing Pike because Pike is also pretty flip. Pike is also pretty... Mm-hmm. Uh, pers- pretty confident. And yet... Pike and Pike is then questioning Kirk's suitability or his tactics, and so mm-hmm. there's clearly a, a bit of a conscious or subconscious self-reflection to Pike. Mm-hmm. And my question to you is: Is this showing? Do we what do we know of prior to this series? What was like? What 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 is the captaining style? What did we know? What was the established lore of Pike? Not much. Okay, just, just that one episode. Um, you know, there's just the cage. So is that maybe um, maybe identif- maybe as far as writers are concerned, maybe identifying those similarities that they had start to build out and having Pike be cognizant of them now allows them to have him change slightly. Well, yes, yes, and I think I think that's that's a big part of it. And we do know that Starfleet captains frequently have these characteristics. They're bold. They're brash. They're aggressive. Like fighter pilots. Um, they're fighter pilots, yeah, absolutely, and that's and and that is who wants to be the leader. Like, who wants to be the captain? Who wants to make those? It's like, you know, nobody with a normal sized ego even wants to be president, right? Right. You you have to be pretty confident in yourself to even desire the job. And I think it's the same way with being a captain here. But when you talk about change and why is Pike different than Kirk in this scenario, I think it's age. An experience 
and and we talk about how young Kirk is in this timeline, and that Pike is much older. Kirk asks Pike if he's going to retire. Mm. Like it's that I I think perhaps Pike ten years ago would have made that same decision. But, you know, as the years go by, you get a little older, you get a little bit more careful, you you lean on diplomacy more than more than the punch. Um, and I think, you know, and, and we see that bear out with Picard, you know, who is much older and, and of course, is much more reluctant to, to hit the pew pews mm-hmm. than Kirk was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fascinating. It's, it's really interesting. And I think it's true of all of us. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's part of the human condition. Um, and so uh, anyway loved the episode was i i just i this time i was able to sit down and just watch it as a fan the first time and i was like holy shit it's really good that was awesome um really 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 like this episode by far the strongest season finale of any star trek of the first season um and uh yeah that never has a star trek series finished their first season this strong um, so, so for me, I'm giving it a full 97 self-sealing stem bolts. All right. I am so excited about this episode. I loved it. I loved it the second time I watched it. Um, I look forward to a couple years going back and watching it all again. I, I can't for wait us. for season two. Yeah, um, I guess my question for season two, since I'm not as huge into the, the cliffhanger, Keith, is wh- what changes for us? As we know, Keith never lets things stay the same as they was no yeah no it's it's time i I gotta do i gotta refresh our our look Uh uh-huh so i'm I'm Um, curious about that for sure yeah well i don't i don't think it's gonna be too drastic but we're we're gonna do one thing i'm i'm done with the green screen Yeah, data pads it's it's a pain pain in the butt so Mm -hmm. we're we're gonna be uh we're gonna be beaming back into the real world uh, Mm -hmm. uh because I just get lazier and lazier because I had to like set up a whole thing, and now I just I literally have a, a screen I pull down behind me. But that's too much. No, even I mean that's a that's a whole reach, Keith. It's a whole reach, and it bugs me every time I watch us. Every time I look up, <laughs> yeah, your my glasses eyes get keyed out yeah. through the glasses. So no more of that. We're done. Well, I also uh, you know, it's funny we had a, an AMA just a we're already too long anyway, but. I actually I love my Pike. I know we make fun of it quite a bit. I'm and my hair's not combed. I love my Pike. My 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 salt and peps. I need a haircut. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting one tomorrow. <laughs> this is a crazy town. But nobody gets more haircuts than you do. It's next to impossible to key it. Gray hair cannot be keyed. It just it's it, difficult. It, it can't yeah. be keyed. <laughs> well, hair in general is yeah. really tough. So that's why I was in the beginning we keyed a lot, and so I wore a hat all the time. Um so now I guess Maybe I'll have to pike it a little more. You, you can let the hair fly, but of course you don't even use a green screen. So if you use a green screen, it'd be better, but You're it's still right, not man. great. Anyway, enough of that nonsense. Mike, uh, if people were like, wow, that was two hours I want more of, how could they do it? Look, there's all kinds of stuff, guys. We have other podcasts. They're all here on the channel currently. So just check us out. Uh, give us a like, give us a subscribe if you even found this remotely entertaining. Or guess what? If you didn't, if you could just take a second, do it anyway. It helps us. The, the bots are all coming for everybody. So we, we're trying... Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have other shows. If you're digging the Star Trek stuff, we look at toys on Sunday this week. Uh, cool stuff. I think we're starting uh, Picard I- in July. Picard or uh, Christmas yeah, in July. Yes. Starts Christmas this week. Picardmas in July. Yeah, starts this week. So check that out on the channel. Uh, the Strange and Show you're watching. K and M Geekly. We chat on Mondays. We're we'll talk about Gardens of the Galaxy and and whatever else. 
Keith and Mike watch Deep Space Nine. We're, we're, we're wrapping up season three. It's going awesome. Join that party. And uh, if you'd like to watch me watch any of those shows or get any of our other fun content, patreon.com slash KM. We appreciate you for appreciating us. That's right. And if you're listening to the audio-only version of this in your podcast feeds, you can do us a huge favor and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting service of your choice. I can't believe it, but we will see you back here next week with the beginning of Season 2. Holy crap. Till then, this has been Keith and Mike Watch Strange New Worlds, a show we call Strange New Show. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM. <laughs>